right. It's Dr. Stu's podcast. Not really. It's Dr. Bliss's kitchen. I'm your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based birth practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. I'm here with my sleepy waking friend, Bliss. Just woke up. Birth, birth, birth. She's a uh, extraordinary midwife, good friend, nurturing soul. Did you see my cut? Uh, stand out. Yes, it's beautiful. Um, we're happy to be back with you for fireside chat number what five or six? Seven. Six. Six. <laughs> okay. Six. You can check us out at drstewspodcast.com. You can find us at info at. Well, actually, if you write me at info at birthinginstincts.com, my website is birthinginstincts.com. Instagram is at birthinginstincts. Bliss? At birthing bliss midwifery. <laughs> right. Instagram. Literally 10 minutes before Dr. So, Fishbein walked in, I was brewing my coffee. All right. I got that out of the way. We're so happy to be back. Last week, we were not here, as most of you who tune in know. Who love us and follow us. Yes, all six of you. Thank you. We really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, hi, Hannah. Hi, Alicia. Um, okay, so where were we last week? Births, 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 births. You want to talk about them? Um, you start. Well, well, they were they were almost exact opposites. Yeah, they were. We had two clients in May. Um, together where they hired me as the midwife and hired Dr. Stu to be on the couch. Um, and so that was fun. I don't think we've ever had two in one month together. Let alone two in, t- in, then, in two days. Well, not even two days, 12 hours. Was it only 12 hours? Yeah. I had three births in 14 hours or three. Labors. I was labors. Three labors. I was with hours. three women laboring. In yeah. Hours. Okay. Well, the first one was great because she'd been in. Both of them were their first babies, and very similar. In a lot of ways, um, they the first one was a um, woman who'd been in labor, sort of off and on for almost forty-eight hours. Yeah, a couple of days. She missed two nights of sleep before uh-huh. that. Oh, you know, didn't sleep well. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, things just kicked in. Yeah, her doula Hayes, who is my assistant often, um, went over earlier in that day uh, to Mama Hayes her. She's like, I'll go Mama Hayes her because I was like, something's going on. Like we need to do something. Maybe the baby's in a funky position or something. She can't like keep going like this. Contractions every, you know, I think it was every five minutes or something at that point, 10 minutes. But, you know, like for days. So Hayes went over there and she's like, she's not really in labor yet. And so she kind of had a conversation with her about it. And, um, And then, I don't know, six hours later, they called her back. And she was in booming labor. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting because sometimes when women are a little, they're a little nervous or they're a little like uh, OCD or whatever else, they don't necessarily labor well. Mm-hmm. And yet, for whatever reason, she was a little bit. For whatever reason, she passed beyond that and then went like the bat out of hell. Yeah. So I had. Her and another mom who had hired me, she was a VBAC mom who had hired me just to come over and check on her. She's the one I told you about that, yep. um, that was going to have her doula come to the hospital instead of her husband because of the new COVID stuff, which I thought was really interesting. So she had a whole team and I went over 
I was heading over there and I checked in. Choice you shouldn't have to make. You shouldn't. So I checked in with Hayes. I'm like, okay, how's it going? Because she headed over to this mom's labor and she said, contractions are every four minutes. They're doing great. And I was like, perfect. I'll have plenty of time to like go check on this mom. If I need to call a backup for this labor, I can do that. Um, And so in the 15 minutes from my house to there, Hayes was like, the pattern's funky. I can't really tell what's going on. It may be nothing, but she may be going really fast. And that's when I texted you and I said, yep. Can you just head over first and I'll meet you there. And you were like, that's oh. not really my role. Yeah, I was, I was a little grumpy. <laughs> and Absolutely. I was like, I'll be right there. Just go. Um, well, so- for people that don't know, the, the doctor stew on the couch package <laughs> means I'm supposed to come when the, when the midwife calls and tells me they're <laughs> active and I'm supposed to stay for about an hour after the birth and then go home. Right. Kind so of I'm safe. I'm a security blank. Well, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, okay, so I walk ahead. into this mom's house and she's doing great and I check her and we decide she's going to go to the hospital and um, I haul butt over to the other mom who's about 20 minutes away, 25 maybe. And um, and you guys go radio silent. I'm texting like, you know, I'm on my way, da, 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 da. nothing. I'm like, oh no, either something's wrong or the baby's coming. Boy. Um, so I walk in the house and everybody's talking really loud and jovial. And I was like, darn it, I missed the baby. So you were there for six minutes? Six minutes. Yeah. I, I was there. Hayes was about ready to catch the baby. <laughs> she was. She was holding uh, the perineum. On, uh, on her own. And she, yeah, well, she did a great job. Because well, she, had she could warm catch com- a baby. Yeah. She knows how to do it. But <laughs> yeah. she had warm compresses on mm-hmm. and she was, every, the room was really calm. The husband was calm. Uh, it was great. I just got in. I had time to get my gloves on and, and then... Asked the dad if he wanted to come down and catch. And uh, the student showed up right at that time, and she got a lovely video of dad catching, mom mm-hmm. helping baby up onto her chest. I and, still haven't seen that. Okay. Yeah, uh, I saw it yesterday, uh-huh. and it's really lovely. Yay. And uh, so that was great. So that was a great birth. Yeah. And then I stayed for about an hour. Yeah. Or so afterwards. Mm-hmm. And then I left, and then... As soon as you walked out. I was about a mile down the road on Pacific Coast Highway, and I get a call. Uh, Bliss wants you to come back. I just said, call him. If he's there, come back. Because she just got boggy and started bleeding again. Like, all of a sudden, out of nowhere. And had 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 a dump before I got there. About 400 cc's I heard before I even arrived. Yeah, by the time I got back, you'd already had it under control. So... Thank you for coming back. Um, You know, two hands are better, or four hands are better than one. Um, And then you went home to rest, and we knew that this other mom was already kind of, had been laboring too, Um, but, you know, was was taking her time. Yeah, I had to go rest because that birth was so strenuous for me. (laughs) So (laughs) long. The six-minute birth. (laughs) Well, you know what? I I was upset because I didn't get to be on her couch. (laughs) That was the big deal. It was sort of, I'm supposed to be on the couch, and I got cheated. Well, and also her dad. Oh, and then her dad showed showed up right at the time. They were were actually parked across the street in a car, I think. Surprise, surprise. Waiting. (laughs) And then their parents came in, and then her dad sat on the couch. It's like, wait, this is my afterbirth on the couch time. This is my couch. And I I couldn't say anything, so I I didn't get any couch time. Yeah. So you went home and I was trying to decide, should I go sleep at this mom's house? And I talked to her doula, who was virtual, by the way. Um, no, no insult to any doulas that are doing virtual, but I, I don't think it was that helpful. I understand that at the hospital when you don't have a choice to do virtual, but 
when you could be with the mom, I think you should really encourage her. But I know it was her choice. She had some concerns about COVID. They were a little bit more like on the conservative side in regards to that kind of stuff. So I think she just didn't want an extra body in the house. But anyway, her doula said that she thought I had enough time to rest. So I started to head home. And again, like as soon as I was heading home in the opposite direction, they said that um, things had, had switched. And so I was like, I'm just going to go over there. Contractions were every two to three minutes. Um, so I was like, I'm just going to go. And, and I called you and said, you said, just let me know. Right. Mm-hmm. Just let me know. And, um, so I went over there and chucked her and she was only four. So I crashed on the couch and let the student, um, you know, stay up to monitor her and kind of make sure that everything was going okay. And she had an assist all Wait, the but I was already long. there at that time. Then I, I went home because I was there initially. You when, came? When you were crashed on the couch, I was there. Oh, that's right. You came because we thought come. we thought it was happening. Mm-hmm. Yep, 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 yep. And then you're like, I think I'm going to go home. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to Because she only lives here. 20, she only lives 22 minutes from me. So mm-hmm. that was like a, a blessing because, you know, I, I, people know that I sometimes have to drive two and a half hours to get to a birth. So yeah. when somebody lives 20 minutes from me, yeah, it's a piece of cake. Anyway, she so wasn't. She long wasn't, yeah. story short, she threw up all night and was having a really hard time with labor. And we tried and tried and tried um, to help her uh, feel better and stay home. But ultimately, as you know, is the great thing about home birth is that if you need to go in, you go in. And so she went in and had a beautiful delivery on her birthday that evening. Mm-hmm. So, and, and we forgot to say that you know she was throwing up all night. So we came, we gave her IVs. Yes, we did. We gave her three liters of fluid, and she. Better. And by the way, it's really interesting because we only had one liter that had D5 in it. Mm-hmm. And we other ones were lactated ringers or normal saline. I can't remember which. And one had D5LR. And she had been feeling really crappy. When she got the D5LR, the whole liter, she actually felt better. And she got up and she went for a little walk mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So right now I'm trying to find D5LR on the market. And if anybody knows anything about this, let me know. But But there's a moratorium on selling them to anybody but hospitals right now. Mm-hmm. We can get LR, we can get normal saline, but we can't get the D5 LR. So D5 is not something you want to run into somebody generally really fast because it'll put their blood sugar up because there's 200 calories in there. On the other hand, if somebody's really not being able to keep anything down, it's so much better to have that than just plain salt water. So Agreed. we, we got to get our hands on it. Hopefully the things will lighten up soon. The other thing we talked about is that you used to carry um, Zofran and you don't anymore. Yeah, I used to carry uh, sublingual Zofran. Yeah. I did give her some homeopathy in the morning um, for nausea. So some of that might have helped too because she wasn't vomiting yeah, in the morning anymore. But I think she was somebody that just couldn't get past some of her own things. And, and so she was a perfect candidate for an epidural. Yeah, she had a beautiful vaginal delivery in the hospital um, and is delighted and they're home and healing. Yeah, and that was my last birth uh, until July in California. I know. So Sunday I'm headed off to Utah to go explore a little bit on the way up. And then I have a lovely couple from Idaho who's going to come down. She's got twins and she's going to have her baby in Utah with me. And that's going to be exciting because that'll be the first time I've ever done something like that where I've traveled and kind of out of hospital birth and I'll be working with the midwives at the Wasatch Midwifery Center although we can't give birth in the center because of the same reasons that a lot of the centers down here they're accredited by the AABC and they don't want them to do breaches with twins so we will be doing it in an Airbnb (laughs) and uh, so I'll be on call for that but other than that I'm going to be looking around I'm going to go hiking I'm going to stop in Bryce 
my old client Janini has been there with her husband and their baby and been posting beautiful pictures on Instagram of Zion. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been there. I haven't been to Bryce or Zion in probably 20 years. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's so, beautiful. Utah is really beautiful. Yeah, so it's just going to just take the leisurely drive. I wish that Vegas was open because it's time for the World Series of Poker. Mm. I go every year with my buddy Lex from LA, I mean, from Minneapolis. We meet there every year. This is another year we've lost because they're not, they're not having that. So that's, that's crap. So, you know, it brings me up to a lot of things that are on my mind right now about what's happening with the re- reaction, the lockdown, the reaction to the lockdown, the, the divisiveness that's occurring in people and some of the some of the policies and procedures that are put out there that are that are shooting from the hip because nobody really knows and causing anger and confusion between people. I just was walking into your house right now, Bliss, and there was a woman walking down the sidewalk, and I'm not wearing a mask as I walk into your house, and she stops mm-hmm. and waits till I pass before she walks on by. And it's like, and she had a mask on. She had a mask on. Mm-hmm. So, what? I, I don't understand the thinking. I know that you are a much more sensitive, nurturing person than I am, but I don't understand the thinking. All right. I mean, we're outside. I don't know that there are any reported cases of people catching COVID outside. Right. All right. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing a mask. And she's still. The, the, reaction is yeah. to fear. Do. Yeah. Just fear. Just How do people fear. live like that? A, well, a lot of don't. People you are. guys who are listening don't live like that. My the rev from my from my spiritual center calls it sheeple. Don't be sheeple. Sheeple, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well, we are. because in my own in my own new office now, there's a conflict going on uh, because we don't wear masks unless our clients want us to. But some of the other midwives want to wear masks and their clients want to wear masks. And so I'm not going to pick on anybody in particular because I really want to have a a talk with everybody in the office when I get back from Utah. But I get an email from one of the midwives who sort of runs the office talking about how we're going to, in the office, wear masks, especially in the common areas. But we're we're going to follow CDC guidelines. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And the minute I read that, I, I, I scratched my head and I wondered, does she realize what she's saying? That we're going to follow CDC guidelines, All right? Because this is probably the first time I've ever heard a midwife say we're going to follow CDC guidelines. Oh, not me. <laughs> well, what about <laughs> vaccines? Do we follow CDC guidelines? Well, we don't vaccinate, but I hear you. So we're not following. So we're choosing not to follow CDC guidelines when it suits us and we're following it when it or when it doesn't suit us, and we're following it when it suits us. So that, as me, as a, uh, as a logical, debate-oriented, common-sense sort of guy. Well, you're a free thinker. Free thinker. You are. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, if the CDC is wrong on vaccines, then why do we believe it's right on this? When they actually they've changed their their position, you know, first it's, you know, it's airborne, then it's not airborne, then it's surfaces. Oh, it's not really surfaces. Oh, it is surfaces, and you shouldn't wear a mask. Oh, you should wear a mask. Oh, you know, distancing. I mean, where do they come up with six feet? Where do they come up with these things? I mean, uh, and and if somebody else is wearing a mask, it's sort of like the vaccine argument. 
if you're vaccinated against measles, why do you care that I'm not? Right. And if you're wearing a mask outside, your choice inside, mm -hmm. why do you care that I'm not? And why, do, why does it become a point of like calling people selfish or calling people uh, arrogant or, or calling people names because they're not following the same rules that you're following when some of us who are not following that rule think that you're being a sheeple. A <laughs> sheeple. Mm -hmm. And there's not a lot of data to support you being a sheeple because CNN or because Dr. Fauci says you should do this. Well, Dr. Fauci said two months ago that it wasn't going to be serious and that mask wearing was stupid. Not, then he said that shaking hands may never come back again. Right? Why do they? Why did they say stupid stuff like that? Well, the thing I think that look at Isha's on. One of our no, that's Alicia. That's, oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I can <She's>, see. <laughs> Alicia's always on. Right. Um, the thing that I I would say about that it more is that people are you know we're a culture of reading headlines, doing things very quickly not really um, thinking for ourselves, being motivated and regurgitating and resharing things that um, <laughs> we haven't really researched, you know? Yeah. So. Miranda Anderson says, uh, CDC changes their mind more than my feelings flip. <laughs> and, and, I was diagnosed, and I was diagnosed bipolar. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Thanks for making us yeah, laugh. Yeah, we need to laugh because this is, this is like... Oh, it's, it's, Isha says I'm on too. Oh great! <laughs> yeah, so it's so it's 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 dividing people. It's really causing. Well, it, it, this has been something you've been talking about for a long time. That that you know that we're with some of the terminologies and stuff you've been. Well, that, like I mean, but this really is the, I mean, yeah, but a lot of it's political, and this isn't even this is apolitical. This is just a, uh, you know, again, I get mad when when ACOG chooses to support certain thing evidence-based stuff and then ignores like the breach evidence-based stuff mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. and here we have people who are choosing to follow the cdc on this especially even though it's like outdoors and and and, yeah, and stuff and they're not following and then the vaccine issue they're completely against when you know the cdc says that measles mumps and rubella vaccine does not cause autism it's on their site mm -hmm. okay i don't think there's a midwife out there that believes that but yet now we're supposed to believe the CDC. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought about it. One time somebody asked me once, if you could spend a day with somebody, you know, you've heard this thing, if you could have dinner with somebody, mm -hmm. you could spend a day with somebody, who would it be? Mm -hmm. and, and I thought about it. And recently this thing popped in my head because I was watching some YouTube videos. And I think I'd like to spend a day with Trey Parker and Matt Stone. You mm -hmm. know who they are? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're the creators of South Park. Mm. Okay. Because they still write all their own stuff. And, I would just love to sit in one of their weekly script meetings and sit there all, all week, just listen to them. Because I can't believe that either one of these guys could come up with a scenario that's funnier than what's going on right now. With <laughs> governors saying, you can have tennis, but you can't play doubles. Or you can walk on the wet sand, but not the dry sand. Or you can have two people in a boat, but not three people in a boat. Or you can buy... buy you can go to Walmart, but not church, or you can buy marijuana, but not paint. Do you want to hear a funny one? Yeah. My cousin owns a, um, I'm not remembering what state she lives in. That's crazy. But um, I'll she, probably guess. She um, owns a bar. It's like a, a, like a bar where you can play um, vintage video games. Yeah. And um, so they're allowed to like 
not have people come in, but they can do like curbside service or something. And so, um, but she said the funniest thing that she heard from her governor was um, that the bars had to make sure that they kept their music down. And she was like, what the heck does that have to do with anything? And someone said, "Uh, um, you want to make sure that Corona doesn't know where people are gathering. <laughs> well, but it just but, points to what you're saying. Well, like, what does what, that have to do Doesn't it depend with what kind of music you're playing? Maybe. Like if you're playing country western, doesn't the coronavirus flee and they, they run away? <laughs> you know? Uh, classical music makes it, who knows? I'm just saying that the, the guys at South Park could not write an episode. I'm, I'm a big fan of South Park. I watch like every episode. I know so you are. so I, they could not write an episode that would be any more bizarre than the decisions being made by some of our politicians in some of the states that we mm. love and I'm having a hard time talking about this because what's on my mind is George Floyd. We can talk about that. I mean, we don't. I just want to say it's my hometown. Yeah, it's a mess. It's a mess. Talked to my sister last night. I just wanted to to say that for me, that's at the top of my brain, and I just. I'm just really disgusted. And that woman in Central Park who intentionally like. Oh, God, I saw that video. She she ruined her life. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's just it's happened. It's been happening. Obviously, my brother did a very heartfelt video, John Wineland, um, about, you know, Rodney King 30 years ago here in L.A. And we had riots here. You know, it's 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 just um, it was important for me to just not step over that today and just to say that um, I'm just disgusted and I'm really, really trying to think of um, things that we can start to do more actively to um, to say that this is something that we can't tolerate. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand, you know, again, I don't, no one really knows the story behind the the cop. So I'm not going to speculate, but apparently there have been other disciplinary actions yeah. is what I've heard. Yeah. Again, I, I never know that anything's true anymore in the press. So. Right. That's hard. But, you know, it's really interesting. I mean, we have, we have a, and, I, and I'm using the term liberal, not in a political sense, but we have a liberal leadership that wants to be forgiving of people. And so they, they will have repeat offenders will not be put in prison. And then they'll have repeat cops who have done this many times, not losing their job. And I don't understand the compassion. I think sometimes the compassion is just all backwards. All right. Somebody who's burgled or, or assaulted people once is enough, but two, three, four times, and then they're released again. That's crazy. And a police officer that's been involved in an altercation, which where it's gone through review and, and especially in these sorts of times that has any sort of issues like that, anger management issues, bam, you know, Death job or off the force, whatever, whatever. It's, I don't know how it could be that way. But I, I also have to say that I, I grew up in Minneapolis. Yeah. I know the area of, of uh, Lake Street and Minnehaha where that Target store is and all that stuff. I know that area. And there's no excuse, no matter how angry you are, to be burning things down and looting and damaging people's property and destroying AutoZone, destroying a Wendy's, burning them down, burning people's cars down. That's rioting, and that obviously doesn't get sympathy for your cause. So people who are le- who I hear what you're saying, yeah. and at the same time, it's great, like, but but it's like you know they've they've done a lot of 
things to try and get people to pay attention. I'm not saying it's right. No, breaking, it's, it, how does stealing a TV make, make George honor George Floyd? I don't know, but they're angry. And, and no, his girlfriend even said George Floyd would be very upset, upset about it. Yes. But I, I'm just saying, I understand the anger and I understand the frustration of feeling like, excuse my language. What the fuck do we have to do to, have people understand that this is not okay. How can, how can we sit there and watch a man be killed with four police and in broad daylight yeah. and people saying, standing, standing around saying that like you're choking him, yeah. like, let him go. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I understand the anger and I don't know the answer, but whatever we've been doing up until now is not enough. So I know we're not a political, uh, social, podcasts were you know about no, you have to say it. i just couldn't step over it right right yeah i think you know again it's it really isn't our specialty to, our topics but mm-hmm. yeah but it is, a, it is a topic that again there's so much divisiveness going on right now and that we needed this you know and by the way minneapolis is known for being like uh, minnesota nice and, uh, you know it's it, you know they've elected some crazy people minnesota's a crazy state though <laughs> I mean, we've elected some really crazy people there. We had we had Al Franken, we had Jesse Ventura as our governor. You know, <laughs> no, I know who that is. Isn't that funny? <laughs> yeah, right. So I mean, we you know we we we've done some crazy things in that state, but it's very it's a very family oriented state. So it's just a funny thing to see that happening there. Yeah. By the way, we jumped over my my birth. I had a birth last night. Oh well, it's it's our podcast we can do whatever we, we do whatever we want i had i just i just had to talk because i saw somebody else walking by with a mask yeah. and i it just struck me with the mask thing and then and then the whole idea of, of like following cdc guidelines is that since when did did us free thinkers decide we're going to follow cdc guidelines i don't trust the cdc for anything i think the head of the cdc ought to be fired yeah 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 i agree right okay so uh, I had a beautiful birth last night. It was one of those births that, like, sometimes I ask you to talk about your birth, and you're like, I don't know, a baby came out. It was great. You know, it was kind of like that. And it was so nice to have a birth where baby came out. nothing it was happened. Great. Yeah. She didn't bleed. Her placenta came out easy. The baby came out crying. Like, it was, we call them butter births. It was just like. Which baby? Yeah. What do you mean? For her. Oh, second. Yeah. And I, I was their monitorice for their first in the hospital, and we had talked about doing home birth that time, but they weren't quite ready. And uh, it was just the dog came up, like, right after the baby was born and sat on the couch with them. And, I mean, it was just, like, perfect. So I'm very happy to end May on that note. And I may um, go to Santa Barbara for a couple of days before my next June birth. Or- you want to go to you want to go to Southern Utah? It's too far. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. If I didn't have June birth, I would come and check out Utah. Well, just, like yeah, Utah. yeah. Well, you could you could do the drive with me, and then you could fly home. I'm not getting on a plane right yeah. now. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, so, what else is on your agenda? That was it. All right, I have a letter. I'm going to sit with you, half awake, drink my coffee, and uh, I, I have a I have a letter. I mean, again, oh, we, you know what? We, let's let's do our. Fearless pregnancy. I was thinking this morning I'm like Kelly Ripa. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky I know who she is, actually. I'm just like my morning my morning coffee. Didn't she stay with Regis? Uh, Yeah. Whatever happened to Regis? Is he is he still alive or did he pass away? I don't know. Go 
Somebody, you? someday, somebody's going to be, gonna <laughs> be talking. Let's what we know. Somebody's going to be talking. You're going to be talking. Like, Whatever happened to Doctor Stu? <laughs> did he pass away? Did he, did he just retire? Or did he pass away? No, he moved to Utah. <laughs> All right. So, by the way, I was going through my fearless pregnancy book. We thought we'd do a little bit of. A, we're going to talk about IGR briefly today. But I was, I was flipping through the pages, and this this page came up, and it's a thing on stretch marks. Exclamation point. Yeah. <laughs> So let's see what I said, or I didn't really say this, but see what Joyce or I or, or Victoria said about stretch marks, okay? It's a universal fear of every newly pregnant woman stretch marks. And the question looms, will I or won't I get them? Statistics are against you. <laughs> Some say as many as 90% of women get them on their abdomen, breasts, and or thighs. But here's why you shouldn't fear them. Because it's fearless pregnancy. The tendency towards stretch marks is inherited, and you certainly can't change your genetics. I agree. You've done your best to gain weight gradually. There's not much more that you can do. Yeah. You slathered your body with moisturizers, but you don't want to waste too much money on special stretch mark creams. No topical treatment has been proven to prevent them. Agreed. Wow. This is 10 years old in your agreement. You know? <laughs> Some things you, are true. Even if you do get stretch marks, they do fade somewhat over time. Um, yeah, they do. They do. They turn, they turn from red, red. To, white, yeah. to, to white. Yeah. You probably don't dress like Beyonce very often, anyhow. Sometimes I try. <laughs> I've not seen that. Okay. And then there's always laser treatment. If the marks are really bad, consult your dermatologist four to six months after the pregnancy. So don't do anything about them in the first six months. Okay. Anyway, that's pretty uh, pretty basic information. Yeah, except for that every woman fears them. Uh, that's true. But a, a lot of people want to talk about it. That's for sure. Well, the two out of the, the two women in wrote the book. They feared him. They feared him, <laughs> I guess. Okay. So IUGR, intrauterine growth restriction. By the way, everyone, people probably don't know, or maybe older people know, that it used to be a different name. Mm -hmm. Right. And the term was intrauterine growth retardation. And politically correct people got rid of the word re retardation. I think I, I vote for that one. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. we talked. Restriction is a better word. We talk about, we talk about this a lot in my office. Um, Sometimes I'll say things to people because it's a medical term, and then my student or the or the husband or somebody will say, "Wow, that's a really weird term." For instance, we were talking one day with somebody about uh, the cervix giving out early, and the <laughs> and the title is an incompetent cervix, and it's like it's like it's like that's it's like the cervix is is not doing its job and it's incompetent and needs to be fired. I mean, it's just a, it is a horrible term when you think about it. Fire your cervix. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's incompetent. Actually, you know what? It should get promoted. It should become governor. <laughs> oh, by the of way. Of my state. Nicole had her baby last night. Our, our mom that we were doing co-care on who had the previa. She had another, oh, she yeah, had another sure. bleed. She went in and she's, oh, okay. she made it to 35 weeks and she um, they were going to go home and then the bleed continued and so they chose to have a C-section. Yeah. So their baby was born last Great. week too. Yeah. Great. Okay. Yeah, we'll do plus on a previous on the list here, I think. It's, we'll do it another time. Yeah, it's it's easier. Yeah, plus on a preview. Mm -hmm. Okay. So growth restriction. This is what I wrote uh, actually almost probably 16 years ago. In the last half of your pregnancy, your practitioner will measure your tummy at each prenatal visit. Here's the reason. There's a rough correlation between the measurement in centimeters above your pubic bone during the 20th through 36th week of pregnancy as the, baby's grow as the baby grows. When the measurement seems to fall behind, or if your doctor suspects, or midwife, 
that other medical problems may hamper the growth of the baby, an ultrasound will be performed. The ultrasound is looking at measurements of the baby's head, abdomen, and leg, as well as the blood flow patterns that indicate growth that lags behind what's expected. When the baby falls below the 10th percentile, the condition is small for gestational age, or SGA. If it's below the third percentile, it is considered intrauterine growth restricted, or IUGR. Now, there's a blurring of the lines for that. I've seen many NFMs say somebody under the 10th percentile is IUGR. But technically, to me, what IUGR really means is babies falling off the growth curve. If a baby is in the 10th percentile at 20 weeks, it's not growth restricted. And if it's in the 10th percentile at 28 weeks, it's, not, it's growing perfectly normally. Mm -hmm. right? But if it's at the 50th percentile at 20 weeks, and now it's at the 10th percentile two months later, that's a, that's a potential issue. So you can't just look at the percentile and say that it's a problem because not all babies are the 50th percentile. The whole point, purpose of it is, is there's a range between either 10% and 90% that's considered normal. Some babies are going to be five and a half pounds. Other babies are going to be nine and a half pounds. Both are normal. Which reminds me of an aggravating story that I heard today about a doctor who's got mad at another doctor for bumping her C-section for her baby that was in distress because she had a scheduled C-section for macrosomia for an estimated fetal weight of eight and a half pounds. That would frustrate And this doctor has made a stink about the other doctor bumping her and doing some other, there's other things involved without ever thinking the fact that now you've made a stink about, now you've brought attention to the fact that you're sectioning babies for eight and a half pounds, which of course violates even ACOG's macrosomic guidelines which is actually about 5,000 grams for a non-diabetic, 4,500 for a diabetic, or maybe it's 4,500 for a non-diabetic and 4,000 for a diabetic, but 30, uh, eight, eight and a half pounds is not even close to being macrosomic. Yeah. So anyway, it's aggravating. Okay. Very. My baby was eight and a half pounds last now, night. As, and I go on to say here that probably what I just was summarizing, these measurements does not necessarily do not necessarily imply that there's anything wrong with your baby, but it does mean that for the remainder of the pregnancy, your baby's growth and environment will be monitored closely. The baby may be getting some poor nourishment across the placenta. In some circumstances, like decreasing amniotic fluid volume, the baby will be better off in the nursery or on your chest. <laughs> Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say oh, that. Oh, okay. Rather than remaining in your uterus, and your doctor will recommend delivery either by inducing labor or having a cesarean section. Again, when this condition is monitored, the outcome is excellent. Yeah. That's how we end almost everything that we have in this book, which is different than most other books on pregnancy. They don't say a reassuring statement, the last sentence of each paragraph, which yeah. is what we try to do. Yeah. So, fearless pregnancy. <laughs> Except the genetics chapter. All right. Because I think it's important. I think it I really, I'm inspired, I think, to, uh, to write another book. And, oh, and by the way, I talked to my... Uh, Co-author and my friend Rick Safries, maybe some of you may know who she is. She uh, teaches with David Hayes. She teaches um, uh, Breach Without Borders, and she teaches the same kind of class that I teach going around the country. Obviously, none of us are doing it right now, but um, we have, we've talked this week. We're going to start to collate my data on twins. Nice. So hopefully by the end of the year, I'll be up about 80, 80 sets of twins. 
which is a lot mm-hmm. for a single practitioner mm-hmm. in the you know in the last eight or nine years. And then we'll collate them and we'll do a, a, a paper on twins. We won't be able to compare it. Like the other one, we compared to head down vaginal deliveries, the breech birth. But we're just going to do an observational paper. Right. Because when, when doctors say things like twin birth at home is absolutely contraindicated, that's an opinion. That is not a fact because there is no data. And because it's a variation of normal and women have been having twins before doctors existed. So there. Right. Exactly. But they say that it's, they say it, they say it authoritarian like that it's abnormal or that it's not, but, but there is no data on it. There's no, there is no published paper on home birthing of twins. Mm -hmm. What about just not, you know, I was, t- I was doing this talk yesterday uh, with Julie Sawaya from Needed. Yep. Um, and we were talking about COVID with Ivy? in the yeah. time of pregnancy. Yeah, I tried to get, I, I had a busy day. And I was on at 3 o'clock yesterday. It was recorded. You can. Oh, good. It. Okay. Because I, I, I put it on my thing, but I, I had a real busy day yesterday mm-hmm. in my office. Yeah. But, you know, I talk to people often about like there's birth, just birth, like a mammal anywhere around the world. And then there's birth. Yeah. There's birth that's hospitalized or in the hospital or managed or, you know, intervened on. So it's like, it's more than just our twins at home. It's like, what happens when you just let twin pregnancies be twin pregnancies? You don't try and induce them. You don't scare them. You, you feed them well, you know, all of the things that you do. Obviously there are some twin uh, situations that are more dangerous than others, and then they deserve informed consent, just like anybody else. Yeah. But um, you know, just normal, healthy twins that are growing well, uh, that you know, they can just have their babies. It doesn't have to be a ton of. There's a ton of fear around multiples. Unbelievable period. amount yeah. of fear. Yeah. And then that fear gets gets projected onto the family, and then, oh yeah, and then, and then it's you know, yeah, then it's a sinking ship. <laughs> An incompetent cervix. What does it say? Uh, do you find with I, Letitia writes? Do you find with IUGR the ultrasound measurements are more accurate than when they are with babies growing on the group? No, no. But it's the whole picture when you have IUGR. When you have IUGR, you, I mean, it's really rare to have IUGR that's significantly a problem and then have a completely normal biophysical profile. I mean, you can have it. But babies that are struggling will often, the first thing you'll see is decreased urine output. So you'll see low, lower amniotic fluid volume. And then with color Doppler checking um, blood flow in the baby's brain versus the cord and versus the mom's uterine arteries, you can, you can get a sense of who's at greater risk uh, of a problem happening and you can predict. But, but ultrasound is an error. Uh, the, uh, the, there's an estimated fetal weight error with ultrasound of up to 10%. So... And I've seen it even worse, and even I've been off more than 10% sometimes, especially with babies. It's, there's more variation when babies are big, that's true, Letitia, than they are when they're small. But there's still, you know, it's not so much the number to me as it is the, the tendency or the trend. Yes, please ask questions if you're here with us live. We'd love to hear your questions. Um, we've managed a couple of IU potential IUGR cases. Small for gestational age babies. Yeah. Yeah. We weren't sure. Right. So I'm measuring as a midwife, I'm palpating and I'm measuring and they're, you know, three, four consistently behind. And so, you know, it's prudent to go and check in and make sure that you're just dealing with a small baby 
um, someone who's growing consistently but small versus some a baby that's not doing well. And um, the first pregnancy with that mom, we managed together. She was actually a Kaiser. They wanted to induce her for IUGR. She came into my care. We, we, we uh, followed her pregnancy. She had a beautiful delivery of a small baby. So the second time, she and she told me the first pregnancy was the same thing. She measured small. So for her third pregnancy, I just knew... This, you know, that's the benefit of individualized care. She just grows small babies, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of times when I, when I do an ultrasound for like somebody will send me, like a midwife will send me an ultrasound at 36 weeks. So she's measuring 32 and I'll do it. And the biophysical will be great. And the baby will be on the smaller side, maybe in the eighth percentile, ninth percentile. But then you look at the two parents. They're little. Yeah. <laughs> and she's five, two and he's five, nine. Yeah. All right. It's like, well, yeah, little people. They're going to have littler babies. And so you, so I write on my report, I say consistent with paternal body habitus mm-hmm. is the term that I use. Mm-hmm. Or parental. I say parental body habitus. Because you have to look at the whole picture. It's not an algorithm. It gets back to my whole, my, my, this will be my mantra. It'll be my tombstone. Life is not an algorithm or something like that. Because, it, 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 yeah, well, I'll, I'll remember it. You'll be dead. Yeah, that's right. I'll have it. I, I, if I ever get a tattoo, that'll be my tattoo. Life is not an algorithm. Love it. I, I think I'm not the first person to say it. I think if there's a movie or something that it comes from, but I think I might have said it long before that was in a movie. One of my right. clients said that all of my clients should have tattooed on the inside of their arm. Trust your intuition, because everything that I say kind of comes back to that. Yeah, Janice says so much fear, and they think controlling things will reduce risk. Hi, Janet. On Amazon. Um, yeah, say that last statement again. They think that controlling, controlling things will reduce risk. Does that remind you of birth or what? That's all I'm going to say. There's so many parallels between what's happening and how we're managing this and how we're not trusting our our um, in, immune system and living from fear and being restricted in terms of what our options are then, and the same thing that happens with birth. Well, I think that's what Janice was talking about with birth, but, but. Oh, I thought you were talking about masks. No, because oh. we're on the birth subject, but, oh, okay. but you're, you're absolutely right. How early can IUGR be diagnosed? Uh, Aisha says that. Um, uh, it can be diagnosed fairly early, uh, but, but generally it takes, two ultrasounds a specific amount of time apart like at least two to three two to four weeks apart depending on what gestational age you are because of the error inherent in a scan so if you scan somebody who's supposed to be 20 weeks and they measure 18 week size all right that's not iogr until you see them again three weeks later and now they're 19 week size all right you know they they if the if they start to grow on their on a consistent curve so it's kind of like asking somebody if you see a picture of a car parked on a street or a car on a street and you give them one picture of it and you say, is the car parked backing up or moving forward? You can't tell with one picture. You need two pictures with amount of time in between. With cars, it's just a matter of a second or two and you can tell in two different pictures. But with growth of babies, you have to wait, you know, early on the air of a scan, like at six weeks, the air of a scan is plus or minus three days. At 36 weeks, it's plus or minus two and a half weeks. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot more error. So you can't do it. You can't do it. Like doctors, I've seen this before. Doctors will do a scan at 34 weeks and the baby will be 30, you know, be a little bit small. And how the woman come back in a week. All right. Yours is two to three, three, 
Three weeks in between. By, two, but, by, by 34 weeks, it's about two plus, about 14 to 18 days. Yeah. In, yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have to wait that long. Now, if you're worried about the baby being small, you want to do biophysicals, that's fine. But to do another full-on measurement scan is, is makes no logical sense. It makes sense in only one aspect, and that is? Cha-ching, cha-ching. No. <laughs> Money. I call, I, I, call it, I call it credit card in situ. <laughs> You know what that means. Inside you means in your body, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I call it. I mean, I think a lot of things that are done in, in medicine and not just in OB, but in all aspects of medicine are because of reimbursement and credit card uh, inside you is my cynical free thinking response. How early can IUGR be diagnosed? Oh, well, oh, I was just saying it can be diagnosed early, but it can't be diagnosed by one scan. You have to you have to have you have to have a suspicion on it. So generally, it's really not diagnosed very often up at twenty weeks. Yeah, I would say after twenty weeks um, for a midwife. But sometime beyond that point, you know, because the uterus is not going to be giving you any clues to that mm -hmm. before that. Yeah, it's harder so, to palpate to uh, something. And a lot of things that are called IUGR are not IUGR. I just have to remind people that my definition of IUGR is a baby that well, if it's less than the third percentile. That sort of classically considered IUGR, but a baby less than the tenth percentile is not really IUGR unless it's unless it it's falling off its growth curve. IUGR means it's intrauterine growth restricted. It means that the growth is not following its normal curve. Each baby has its own curve. It's it's it's, it's as foolish to think that all babies grow on the same curve as it is all women should dilate at the same rate. <laughs> <laughs> we talk or about, deliver at the same yeah Friedman, Friedman curve is a another thing where you have these curves and the curves are just guidelines and, and again if you don't individualize your care you end up doing way too many interventions right you have, you have a long question I know I got, I'll get to that okay. so I do want to ask you a specific question about what you just said so IUGR less than the third percentile is that for the whole baby because you know you hear these. Oh, no, it's for, it's for the weight. Yeah, but it's not like oh the the abdomen was in the third percentile, so we're well, worried. Well, there's there's symmetric IUGR and there's asymmetric IUGR. Mm -hmm. All right, symmetric IUGR is 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 probably scarier. Oh. No, it's probably scarier because it might mean there's something genetically wrong with the baby. Mm -hmm. We're talking about true IUGR. Mm -hmm. Whereas asymmetric IUGR, the head may be normal and the femur may be normal and the abdomen is a little bit small. That's babies are worth surveilling. But it, it isn't necessarily something where you have to intervene right away on that. Again, every case has to be individualized. It depends if the baby's got fetal breathing and normal fluid and movement and tone and a reactive NST, that baby is fine. But yes, um, people, again, my feeling about maternal fetal medicine guys is that their job is to not miss anything. And so they overcall things. And so they'll pick one measurement and they'll say, this measurement is abnormal. Therefore, we have to do this. I just think, again, I, I don't live in that world. I, I evolved from that world. I came from that world. But that world has led me, led me and many other people astray into doing things that have led to where we are right now with our intervention rate and our poor satisfaction rate and our 32% C-section rate and our uh, ridiculous induction rate and 90% uh, epidural rate and all these things that, that are detrimental to nature's design. And... Uh, you know, there. I don't see how you put the put the cork. Is the cork back in the bottle? A genie back in the bottle? What's it? What's it where you put back in the bottle? 
I don't see how you put it back. Or both, I guess. I, there's a there's a saying. I don't see how you put it back in the bottle when you know now that everybody's worried about it and liability is out there and the standard of care is not healthy or normal, but it's the standard. So how can you do things unless you do things like me, where you left that world? Yeah. You know, I I was talking to one of my associates, my old associates in my office this morning before I came over here. She's having a little battle with her hospital. And I see that the stress it's causing her. And I feel like I just want to, I want to just hug her and just, because it's so unnecessary. Yeah. The people that run these institutions, they, I don't know. I don't, I don't think they're sadistic, but they, they, they do things to justify their job. You know, if you're an administrator, you have to create new policies and you have to create new stuff to justify why you even have a job. And, you know, if you're, that's why, again, we could get back to George Floyd because, because I don't understand how the people that run the police department didn't get rid of this guy. Yeah. How can you, we don't either. Yeah. Yeah. How can you keep a guy? How can you, you're so worried about liability. What are you doing putting him back out there again? But, and it's not just one person. No, I get it. I mean, this is happening over and over again. In the hospital setting, they're so worried about liability that they, it clouds (laughs) their judgment on how to care on how to do things. Yeah. Yeah, people, right. people have lost the uh, ability to care from their heart about the work that they're doing and the people. Um, I did want to say that it came to my mind just now that that I have to find somebody else to scan my people, and I'm so worried about that. Because, what for the next? You know, just in general. I mean, you're, I know you're going to come back occasionally, but I'm going to have to have oh, yeah. somebody else scan. And, you know, nobody... I don't trust anybody like I trust yeah. you and people aren't as um, able to do what you do in terms of just trusting and not being so fearful in the way that you counsel people. So it's a huge shift. Um, the other thing is I had a med, a nurse, a new nurse um, DM me the other day on Instagram and she said that she's really interested in midwifery and home birth and all of that. And she's been talking to her nurse colleagues and everybody is telling her that she's she's dumb to consider that, that it's dangerous, yeah. that she, you know. And I said, why don't you read some of the midwifery textbooks like Anne Fry and stuff like that so that you can get like a, from a midwifery medical, you know, perspective, not medical, but midwifery management perspective some of the ways that you can kind of um, talk more specifically about the different ways that we manage it. I would invite her to a birth if she lived here, but she doesn't live here. So, um, but yeah, well, I'm not leaving uh, at least until next year because I have births all the way through the rest. Well, of the you're year. leaving next week, but yes, I'm glad. No, I'm right, glad. right, yeah. Yeah, if you have an emer- if you have somebody like while I'm gone needs post-dates testing, yeah, you're gonna have to. Yeah, I have to find some figure that out. So I'm sorry, I don't know exactly your name. It says Kay Jordan Burns asked us about. She's um, a small petite woman, four eleven, and her husband is six feet. She wants to do a natural birth at a birthing center, but a lot of people are telling her because this is tiny, it may not be possible. So what I would say about that is you deserve a trial of labor. If your heart is telling you that you would like to do something outside of the hospital, Mm -hmm. um, you absolutely deserve the opportunity to give that a shot. And it's not something that makes your labor um, more dangerous. It, um, you know, if, if at all, which is very unlikely, 
your baby is going to be big because of the discrepancy between your husband and your genetics. But you absolutely deserve the opportunity to give it a shot. I have a, I have a slightly different take on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think it's really unusual for a woman to grow a baby inside her body that can't get out. Absolutely. And I'll tell you an anecdotal story. When I was a resident, I had the good fortune of, of, of partaking in the care of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's wife. Who's very big. And he's seven foot tall or one, seven mm -hmm. foot one. And she mm -hmm. was five foot five, maybe. Yeah. And um, she had a six pound baby. Yeah. And now that guy's, that baby, that guy's probably almost, I don't know, he's six foot 10 or something like that. Yeah. This was 35 years ago or more. Yeah. But, because um, I was a resident at the time and uh, she was going to a, a great OB, a, a cool guy, Ricky Hendricks was, he was great. And um, uh, we would spend time in their offices and I got to, it was a thrill for me. But, Here's a seven foot guy with a five foot five woman who had a baby that was six pounds. Yeah, and right. I, and I've seen I've seen and it wasn't growth restricted. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen women in this scenario who have had babies that are large. Um, but again, I agree with you that most of the time your body your body does not want you to die in childbirth. You know, this does not want to happen. So uh, Isha is saying Logan is 6'4 and she's 5'2 and they just had a 6 pound, 10 ounce baby, which we talked about earlier. And right. it was beautiful and fast and she didn't have any issues pushing that baby out at all. So um, so I would say go for it. Um, follow yeah, don't, don't think anything twice about your body. Bo nature is really smart. Yeah. And doctors aren't. <laughs> okay. They are. Doctors are... Doctor, doctors are, are... We need a t-shirt that says nature's smart and doctors aren't. No, I, think about this. I mean, doctors are sort of experts in the knowledge of their field, but they're no more wise than a plumber, you know, or a NBA player or a, or a you know, a, a guy that mows your lawn. As far as wisdom goes, the, yeah. they don't have wisdom. Yeah, they that. have expertise in one little area. And that's why we need to be careful about letting experts guide us through crises. Well, especially letting go of your own common sense and your own philosophies yes. about how right. you manage. Yeah. And that gets back to the initial statement earlier in the podcast about fear. I mean, when people fear things, they'll they'll believe anything. You know, there's an old saying about about God, which I really love. All right, because you know, God is getting less and less in our in our world right now, as far as religion but the, I can't remember who said it but he was a and he was an atheist guy that said it he said when people stop believing in God it's not that they don't believe in nothing it means that they'll believe in anything right I agree with that right I agree with that so um, we have to be really careful about relying on experts to tell us what to do now I am an expert and I don't want people to just take my word for things but I tend to have I, I tend to temper things with common sense, and I and I have a vast experience because I've lived in both worlds. And I, you know, I mean, there are people who come to me who, who I tell them I think that this is not a good choice for you. So, um, I had an interesting question yesterday. Yeah, well, do someone say Alicia just said that you know her son measured small for a while. I, I was her OB for that, mm -hmm. but obviously everything went fine because the baby ended up weighing seven pounds ten ounces. So, yeah, right, just time. because they measure small, but then what happens is that they measure small and immediately that seed of doubt or fear is implanted by the OB because, oh, you're measuring small, that could be a problem with your baby, we need to send you to the MFM guy. Mm -hmm. And then the MFM guy 
Covers his ass. Covers his ass. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, well said. I couldn't have said, you need a t-shirt that says that. Mine says, nature's smart, doctors aren't, and yours says... Cover your ass. No, uh, MFM guys cover their ass. <laughs> the MFM said... <laughs> Doesn't matter. Covering your ass. Yeah. No, I mean some MFMs are giving good information. We we have one we love, Doctor Doctor Shabira. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but he's been he's been sort of what do you call it with him? He's been sort of uh, I'm not castrated. That's too strong a word. But mm. they've taken away his ability to do the things that he was so well, good at doing. It's familiar to you. Yeah, that's why you. I got. But ship. yeah, but he's not ready to jump ship. Yeah. So, interesting question. Because we only got a couple minutes left. On my podcast, or whatever I did yesterday, uh, a woman said she had two uteruses but one cervix. And was it, um, did she have to have a C-section? No. That's what I said. No. No, I said, you know, I mean, sometimes there could be a malposition with um, mm-hmm. a abnormality. Um, but- Preterm labor, mm-hmm. malposition, breach, or sometimes retained placenta are the most common things with a... Septate uterus, a bicornic uterus, they're all variations of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Which she, uh, she, didn't, she doesn't have what's called uterus didelphus, where you actually have two cervixes. And yeah. two, two, she's got a, basically, she has one uterus with a, a septum that comes all the way down. Yeah. So it's just a large septum. So no, she does not need to have a C-section with yeah. that. But I'm sure that she's been told she did. I know, but she got a chance to ask me. And I said, again, you deserve a trial of labor. There's no reason why you should That's believe correct. that you can't give it a shot. That's correct. My sister has two uteruses. That's interesting. She actually has two uteruses. And she had a vaginal delivery with her first kid. And then she, I, I think I've told the story before, she shows up at the hospital with her second kid in labor. Her husband's out here in California with me. She's back in Albany, New York. And she shows up at the hospital in labor. And the guy says, you can't park your car here. So she Aww. gets back in her car and moves her car. Poor shows thing. up in labor and delivery. She's seven centimeters with her foot sticking out. So she had a crash C-section. Mm-hmm. And then the third baby, she had a VBAC. Oh, wow. I'm sure she, you gave her was, lots of advice. And this was 30 years ago. Right? She asked you. Yeah. I mean, I was a very medicalized guy back. This is 30 years ago. So, but, but and talk about Minnesota nice. All right. She actually got in her car and moved her car while she's contracting every three minutes and shows up in labor. She's seven centimeters with, her foot, with a foot sticking out. Poor thing that she even had to drive herself. So on Instagram, we're going to say goodbye. Um, We've got a minute 45. We're at an hour. We are so glad that you joined us today. Um, hopefully, what are we going to do for next week? I don't know. We'll try to figure out. I think we, we tried. going to be in Utah. Well, we tried to do remote once before. The ha- the split screen? Yeah. Okay. We'll so we'll, we'll probably keep, um, keep looking for where you can find us, but we'll probably be um, on Instagram split. And then maybe you'll. I'll try to be in some. I'll try to be at some coffee shop where I can have mountains in the background. I love it. Yeah, Please do. some Wi-Fi in the background. We would the, enjoy that. Yeah. So okay, so you still have a minute and ten That's seconds okay. left. Say whatever you need. to Well, say. I was going to read a letter, but we don't have time to read the letter we can today. Read it on Facebook. Yeah, I don't want the Instagram people to miss out. <laughs> no, uh, we're long-winded. what else should we talk about? Oh, we talk about briefly. What are you watching on television now? Are you still doing jigsaw? Are you doing jigsaw puzzles? Yeah, I don't watch TV. Yeah, Bliss is a puzzler. Yeah. Oh, I was doing. We we were working on a puzzle at the birth for a while. We were. <laughs> we, we, we got most of the bound. We got most of the boundary done. Anyway. I said, "Is there anything I can do for you guys?" He goes, "Finish the puzzle." <laughs> yeah. I think he was. Uh, so I'm still watching my British uh, crime shows. I'm watching a really bizarre one right now. It's called Marcella, and it, you know, it's boy, it's got pedophiles and murders and. It, it, and, That's and, why I don't uh, watch blackouts and uh, 
yeah, betrayals, and it's it's uh, it's one of the more you know I, I'm a big fan of them, but this one this one won she won an award for it, but it's it's sort of uh, dark, dark, much darker than a lot of them, and they're all very dark because they're crime shows, all right? I think uh, that's it for Instagram, and I think we'll probably sign off on um, Facebook as well. Yeah, I need another cup of coffee. All right. So anyway, listen. Thanks for listening to us. You can uh, this once again has been our. COVID version of the Dr. Stu's podcast. We are uh, Bliss Young and I'm Stuart Fishbein, and you can find us at Birthing Bliss at Birthing Bliss Midwifery at Instagram, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is where people were. Mm-hmm. And uh, birthingbliss.com is your website. Mine is birthinginstincts.com, and uh, at birthinginstincts is my Instagram. Facebook, I'm on Facebook, and I'd love people to read. You go to my blog page and read some of the blogs. Uh, going back in time when I used to blog a lot, find some, I have my interesting sense of cynicism and wisdom mixed together. Uh, so we'll see you uh, next week. We'll be separated, but we'll figure out a way to do it. Bye, okay. guys. Have a good week. Bye, everybody.